Hello and welcome. Welcome to season two, episode one of the Doc Talk podcast, talking about maritime transportation. Uh, I'm so excited to be joining my my good friend, my co-host, uh, Captain Jeff Monroe. Um, Jeff, would you like to say hello to our listeners? Great to be here, and I uh, very much appreciate it. With uh, like everything. It's always a great opportunity. We we did this all last year together, and a lot of hit some great topics in many cases. So we're quite pleased with all of it. And uh, I'm the director of education standards for the International Association of Maritime Port Executives. We do all of the training, and it is such a, a great thrill today to have our maritime administrator, uh, Admiral Phillips, with us uh, today. And uh, Admiral, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Captain Moreau. Thank you. And thank you, Executive Director Andres. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, thank you. I'm so thrilled and honored that you would join our our Doc Talk podcast. Uh, when I first met you um, a year or so ago, I, what, I became the president of the fan club mm -hmm. for Administrator Phillips. <laughs> and I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to let our listeners get to know you a bit more. So first and foremost, welcome and thank you tremendously for your leadership within maritime transportation. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. Glad to be love, here. <laughs> I, I would love to ask you, Administrator Phillips, because you have the Admiralty background, you're so experienced, successful, and knowledgeable. Um, I want to ask you, becoming administrator of the maritime transportation that then incorporated and brought in maybe more of the inland aspect, what kind of surprised you the most? Well, I think, so Amy, thank you for that question. And again, thanks for the opportunity to join you both today and to talk on your podcast, which is, which is quite an honor. I appreciate your time. I think what has surprised me the most uh, as uh, I'm a blue water sailor, I was a naval officer for 31 years, I commanded ships, um, and I did not spend a lot of time on rivers. Um, and so, in fact, we don't even have to study the Western Rivers Rules of the Road to pass our Rules of the Road exams because we just don't go there with vessels. So, what has surprised me the most is gaining insight into how much of America's commerce moves on rivers in this country and the great diversity of product that moves, uh, and also the extent to which our rivers are a tremendous opportunity to do even more. There's so much capacity there, uh, and they are challenged. Certainly, there are, you know, floods are a problem, low water is a problem, uh, but just, just the opportunity there for more capacity and the incredible diversity of the work that already goes on uh, has fascinated me, and I have I have tried to get to inland facilities as often as I can, which is not often enough, but I've gotten a taste of it uh, in 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 St. Louis, in Portsmouth, Arkansas, and and in other places around the country. And there's still a few more on the on the list that I'd like to go visit. But also having the opportunity to hear from uh, people who are operating ports or vessels on the inland waters. We often have people who are interested in port grant applications come here and visit us or who have been recipients. I've had an opportunity to meet them in my travels and then also to talk to them on the phone about the things that they're experiencing and, and just the diversity of what's out there, uh, the amazing capacity of what's out there and the sheer volume. I think um, a lot of, Ameri of Americans, I would put, have put myself in that category a year and a half ago, 
uh, just don't have any idea how much actually moves on our inland rivers and how important that is globally. Things that come down the Mississippi, the Missouri, MCARNs, uh, end up in Europe and, and in places around the world. And I think most Americans don't understand that or appreciate it. And, uh, and so the inland waterways are a terrific, terrific uh, value added to our economy. And we could do a lot more. We could do a lot more uh, to expand capacity and, and help smaller ports and large ports on inland rivers um, build their ability to handle even more cargo and market even more uh, U.S. product overseas. So, uh, so a tremendous opportunity there. And I think all of those things uh, are, uh, are new to me to some extent. And, um, and certainly the fact that I know that I've, I've had the opportunity to meet people, visit with them, talk to them and understand what, what they're about uh, adds uh, tremendous value to my ability to then you know, broadcast that, that more broadly and uh, help people understand why inland waters matter, why our U.S. Marine Highway program matters, and why our port infrastructure development program matters. I have to say there's been a lot of great uh, accomplishment. I tell you, I'm uh, amazingly impressed with the, the work on the national security multi-mission vessels. Uh, I had, I, well, I had the experience on six training ships uh, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time we would get, uh, whatever they could find in the, in the fleets that were still floating, mm -hmm. you know? So nowadays they have these state-of-the-art vessels and stuff like that because mm -hmm. of a product of our mar maritime uh, education training and stuff. Um, we find that what's interesting is that there's a great emphasis, I think, on, uh, the Birch Marine, no question about that. And of course, you know, on our inland rivers folks, as well as our deep uh, blue water folks. Uh, my daughter is a product of Massachusetts Maritime. She's a captain with Subcom. And, uh, but what I find oftentimes is that, you know, it seems to be uh, lacking as far as the port side of it is concerned. And we, we do our best to try to get out and train people and everything like that. Uh, and as I said, I've been very pleased with the support that we've had from Marad and having so many of your people go through the program. But I often wonder, is there is there would be a way to make this much more significant so that uh, the maritime administration, DOT, the administration, whomever, right, would find it that uh, like we do with our mariners is to do the same thing with our port professionals. You know, can we develop curriculum and training programs and stuff like that that could be embraced by everybody who's in the industry, both inland and coastal? Well, I think uh, so. Cap Monroe, that's an excellent point. Um, and as you know, MARAD has been focused on training maritime professionals since 1936. Uh, we started with training mariners certainly during the war to ensure that we had enough to train mariners in World War II. Uh, part of our mission is to foster, promote, and develop our mission really to the maritime industry to ensure the nation's economic and national security needs are met. Of course, port infrastructure is a big part of that uh, as our mariner training uh, capacity in developing that. We know we have a shortage of mariners broadly across the industry. It's not just inland, it's not just blue water, and it's not just the U.S. It's international. This is a problem when I, in my international travels. I was in Korea this year, I was in the U.K. this year, Vietnam came to do a bilateral with us. Everyone talks about mariner shortfall as a challenge. Uh, but they also talk about challenges to the industry more broadly, not enough capacity, not enough repair capacity, and they talk about the challenges of keeping their ports and waterways open and functioning. Um, so all these things tie together. Uh, I would say also that within the authorizations and appropriations we have uh, to focus on mariner workforce development, we're very much engaged with the Merchant Marine Academy, one of the five federal academies which we run, sir, which you're, you're both very familiar with. Um, 
of course, provide uh, support to them as, as uh, part of the Department of Transportation. And, and as we've touched on briefly, the six state maritime academies as well, uh, we have an authorization and appropriation to support them. And as you mentioned, with the training shift, uh, we, are, we are in the midst of building the Empire or the state class, Empire State first ship has been delivered to SUNY, New York. Massachusetts will get theirs uh, later spring 2024, and uh, Maine comes after that. So uh, they're already working on the preps to get uh, their pier ready in Maine, then Texas, then California. So we're thrilled with that program. It's gone extremely well, and I think it really will be a catalyst for maritime training broadly across the country. Looking at opportunities in, and needs in maritime training beyond afloat, we have a Centers of Excellence program authorized, which you're very much aware of, uh, run out of our MARS 600 office here. Dr. Sashi Kumar is, is the director of uh, our training uh, arm of MARS 600. And within that Center of Excellence program, and we hope to announce this year's designees very soon, uh, is a much broader look at training across the industry, which is focusing not only on mariners, licensed and unlicensed, but shipyard workers, building shipyard capacity, building uh, opportunities within ports, within shipyards, within ship construction, and also focusing on new technology that's coming. The offshore wind industry in this country is coming. Uh, we are seeing changes there. New fuels and the new technologies and the new kind of kinds of equipment that will need not only in ports, but also at sea to operate under new, less carbon emitting fuels uh, all fall under the Centers of Excellence program, and those institutions that are designated in that sense um, are things that we at least have an authorization to, um, uh, under this program, to, to help advocate for and talk about the capacity of and need for this kind of training broadly across the industry. I'll also add that the Center of Excellence program had a grant program authorized last year, um, however, it, there is no appropriation that goes with it. So someday, should there be an appropriation, uh, that will give us the ability to provide even more capacity, we hope, to those centers of excellence to continue to develop their ability to train mariners across the full spectrum of, of mm. the industry. Yeah, a lot of us who have gone to sea wind up coming ashore, you know, yeah. as I did. Having that broad spectrum is great. And we are an applicant for the Center of Excellence as well. Uh, and I think that the thing that I find fascinating is that Merchant Mariners, as well as our military folks, we've had Navy people, we have done over 120 Coast Guard personnel who have taken the program and stuff like that and made successful transition into the industry. And the port industry is as many, has as many issues with workforce development as the Mariners do and stuff. And I think in the long run, you know, that, uh, you know, part of the policy of the administration, you know, to support not only aspects of logistics and trade, but also the future generations, you know, the people who are in the industry now. And uh, how, do, how do we increase our knowledge? Because we know, for example, that a lot of the people who take our courses internationally, their, their homes, you know, their home countries are doing a lot in maritime education across the board. And we're very lucky that three of the state schools are educational partners with us. Uh, and, you know, to hopefully have that introduced into their curriculums for their undergraduate programs. I would add just on as long as we're talking about poor people who are operating and working in and around ports, 
um, that, you know, during COVID, those people were on the front lines and they didn't stop going to work. You, you have to be there to unload a ship in person. You have to be there to manage a port in person. Uh, and so in that capacity, our maritime world and, uh, and, and, our, and our maritime workers in particular were on the front lines throughout COVID. So uh, their importance um, and, and their value to this country shouldn't, shouldn't be underestimated, as you point out. And they are our shortfalls, you know, and, it, and as you said, they are, they are global shortfalls. Um, when, I, when I go to other countries on bilaterals, I visit academies, visited Solon University in the UK, visited Kempt in, in Korea, um, saw all the things that they're doing. And, um, and I would say, you know, based on the, the experiences that I've had here visiting schools, that we're on par there. Uh, but back to the original point, we all share a paucity of workers and we are all struggling to keep and retain a trained workforce there. So all it really there. means so much to me and to so many of our listeners to hear you say that and to hear you talk about the importance of the boots on the ground workers, the labor, like we can bring in a barge, we can bring in a ship, um, but but the warehousing uh, workforce, if we don't have somebody work in the warehouse, if we don't have those truck drivers to then deliver to the first or last mile, we don't have a transportation system. So it means so much to me and our listeners to hear you say that. Thank you. But we also know that we have such a huge advocate and such a great leader in you within the Department of Transportation, because you bring that maritime voice to the entire department. And so one of the, the major accomplishments that I want to congratulate you on is the DOT Navigator and your inclusion of maritime programs within that Navigator tool. Would you like to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So DOT Navigator is uh, really intended to help grant applicants across the transportation industry and diaspora uh, find opportunities within DOT uh, to apply for grants. And, and of course, we have this tremendous infusion of money under the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed in, in 2023, so 2022. So we, um, the, the Navigator, if you get to that site, that helps you. You may think, oh, wow, I'm really interested in a port infrastructure development grant, but you may find that you could also apply under a different program under a mega program or under an infra program or under a, a raise one of the other programs that we're working with so uh, you may find that you're not just limited to PIDP maybe there's something else that's a better fit for you or um, maybe there's something else that you would want to explore in concert with other modes of transportation uh, in your region uh, we see a lot of rail on dock interest um, is that a rail grant or is that a, a PIDP grant could be different things. Uh, both could apply. Or uh, for ports that are looking at a much broader uh, kind of application, they may be more suited for a multimodal opportunity, especially if it's a higher cost in some of the other grants that are run through OST. You can find out about these grants and this opportunity through the DOT Navigator, and then it'll send you where you need to go to learn more. So it's a tremendous tool. And when we talk about our grant programs, we now that it's really up and running well, we want to make sure people are aware of that because you may find an opportunity that you weren't aware of that really fits what you want to do better than a grant that's just offered under MARAD. So, um, so a really important tool to take a look at. And, um, and while you're there, please look at our PIDP site, Port Infrastructure Development Grant Program, our U.S. Marine Highways Grant Programs, and our Small Shipyard Grant Program, not in MAR 500, 
the small shipyard grants are in Mars 600, but you may also find that they meet a need uh, for you based on the kinds of uh, things you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And so I almost kind of in, I hope, I don't, I don't, but anyway, I almost look at the DOT Navigator um, website as the the human DOT Navigator are your gateway directors. That's true. And, and you can be able to really lead them in excellence in order to provide massive resources all over our country. So again, I have to congratulate you on that as well. That is a tremendous program. All Mar 500, Bill Pappy and his team, gateway directors under Captain Jeff Flumigan, but uh, they are a tremendous resource. And if you are listening to this podcast and you say, hmm, I, uh, I'm, on, I'm on a port on the Mississippi River, I'm on a port uh, on the, on the MCARNs. I was in the MCARNs recently. That's why I keep coming up. It keeps coming up. Uh, I'm on a port somewhere in the Northwest. Um, and I don't know my gateway director. Wow. You should know them because they are your window, um, that you can ask questions to in person and they can help steer you in the right direction to a resource that may add value, uh, to a grant opportunity, to training or to something else that, that, that we can connect you with. We have 10 around the country. Uh, in in and and we cover of course Alaska, Hawaii, uh, and the and the Caribbean as well. That's covered out of our South Atlantic uh, gateway. The Caribbean, Hawaii is covered out of our Mid Pacific, uh, which which also covers California and and inland. And uh, and then our Northern Pacific has a new director. Uh, Zochio Castaneda has just joined us. She's a retired Coast Guard officer, and she's taken on the uh, Pacific uh, Northwest and Alaska gateway. So, uh, but we have gateway directors in the Great Lakes uh, and in the, I mean, I'm, I have my little picture here of all of them, but I spend a lot of time with them because when I travel, uh, they are the on-site experts and they, uh, they, they grab me and get me where I need to go. And I haven't been anywhere that the people at the port don't know them and they did not meet them the day before I showed up. They obviously have a long-term and long-standing relationship uh, and they can help you and assist you think through a grant opportunity you might want to pursue, give you advice as to how to think about it. Uh, they can't write it for you. You have to do that yourself, but they're happy to help you take it. We have them firewalled away from PIDP so they can take a look at it and um, and say, wait, don't forget this part or don't forget that part. So, um, and, and that is a tremendous help. They can also help connect you with other assets within DOT um, or even in other places in the federal government. So please get to know your gateway director, reach out to them. We, I hear from them weekly, and um, they, they are just a tremendous asset, and they are there for you. They are there to help port operators and the maritime industry broadly around the country to make sure that we have boots on the ground uh, in, in good times, but, and also in times of, of challenge. You know, we struggled with the Mississippi River last year. We were reaching out to our gateway director, uh, Chad Dorsey in Paducah. We were reaching out to Travis Black in St. Louis and, and others. Um, who, who gave us advice and, and counsel and really, uh, you know, eyes on what's actually happening there. And that it, it just adds tremendous value. So uh, please get to know them. Please reach out to them. Tremendous program. And, and they, like you said, they're your, they're your DOT navigator, uh, your personal DOT navigator tailored to your region and the needs of your port in your region. Thank you for that. It's always been great to have great interaction with all of those personnel. And, uh, you know, certainly we've known Jeff for years and everything so it's uh, it's it's a good source and that seems to be a big issue 
with a lot of the ports is they see in many cases that the whole grant application process is being very intimidating. And of course, you know, do they have the resources to be able to put personnel to actually write mm -hmm. the grant and stuff like that. So your gateway directors have been very helpful and stuff. And as yeah. I said, I'm very pleased to have so many of them who have taken our program. And uh, it's great to know that, uh, you know, they're, they're very skilled people, very sharp people, and they're very helpful, which has always been very positive for us and stuff. Yep. Service oriented. <laughs> yeah. It's always makes it, that's makes a big difference with all things. Um, what are your legislative priorities you think for this up and coming year? Wow. So we, as you know, uh, we, we have a 2024 NDAA, but it's not yet signed. Uh, so uh, have some optimism there that we're going to uh, see some new things that, uh, that we like and, uh, and that will be helpful to the maritime industry broadly. Uh, certainly, some of the things that we are doing, we would like to keep doing. So uh, we, we know we'll keep building NSMVs. Uh, you, you may be aware from an international blue water perspective, we started a new tanker security program that supports the maritime security program. Uh, we were able to bring eight new tank vessels in this year and add some vessels to U.S. flag as a result. We'd like to, we want to grow that program next year to 20. Uh, we have an authority to do it. We need an appropriation to do it too, but um, that's pretty important. Uh, continuing our infrastructure investments, um, PIDP, uh, you know, again, uh, we, we live and die by appropriations there, but a lot of success with that program. Just finished our third year, $653 million out the door there um, to uh, 41 states and territories around the country. Uh, a lot of inland grants there this year, a lot of inland, inland waters. And um, when you think about the uh, grants to small projects and small ports, especially on our inland rivers, think grain. Nearly every one of them went to a port that is working in grain cargo, grain export, and uh, some to fix long-standing problems and upgrade capacity, some to create new ports. And so creating new facilities, one in Fort Smith, one in Wabasha, Wisconsin, um, all, or the, all of those, um, uh, Wisconsin, not Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, all of those are opportunities for inland ports to make a real difference. And, uh, and I was thrilled to, we did not pick grain as a topic. It just came out that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that was fascinating to see. And we're, we're thrilled uh, to have that opportunity and to see small ports, particularly inland ports, get that opportunity. So continuing that program is essential. Uh, continuing the U.S. Marine Highway program is essential. You know, we got a 25 million infusion under PID, under uh, U.S. Marine Highway BIL last year. This year we had a $12 million appropriation. Of course, it all went out the door, but um, it's a really um, undersung program, the Marine Highway program. Tremendous value and opportunity there. Um, you know, only everything is widely oversubscribed, so only limited by funding. Um, so, and I would say uh, to continue the work that we are doing, I really should start with people first, infrastructure, uh, growing our U.S. flag. But um, you're well aware of our work through the Every Mariner Builds a Respectful Culture program, which is now law in 2023. It became law to work to ensure the safety of midshipmen at sea sailing, but also of all mariners. And that combined with the Coast Guard Act in 2023 has meant some real change. Um, I would say long needed change in the industry to to change our culture, to uh, to take advantage of all that we have in this country and, and build a workforce and, and specifically ensure that mariners are valued based on their professionalism and skill and that they feel that they are safe in whatever environment where they are operating at sea, um, particularly from the context of driving out bullying, 
harassment and assault. Uh, and, that, and, and so we're, we're thrilled that that program is continuing. Um, we think we may see some new things in the 2024 legislation related to cargo preference. We'll see. Um, had some interest in cargo preference in, in 2023, and we're directed to upgrade our cargo preference rules. So we're, we're working on that. We're developing an embark rule as well that we were directed to. So again, 2024, we're right on the cusp, but but I'm hesitant to say too much there until it's actually signed. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned MSMV and I've talked about that, but, you know, how, what else can we do to continue our vessel construction manager process that has worked well for the NSMV? You know, will we get uh, an authorization, an appropriation to move forward and start doing some more work there, possibly on the DOD side um, to expand our ready reserve force capacity um, and, and continue to grow our U.S. flag fleet? So all those things are important. Um, and again, we'll we'll see what comes out with the 2024 NDAA as far as additional legislative changes that, that will help. And, um, you know, all of it relies on appropriations. And, and of course, you all understand that. So um, lots of good things happening. Lots going on at MARAD now. Um, a really invigorated team um, making progress on things that this administration has been working on across generations almost of maritime administrators, uh, you know, uh, federal or government administrations, you know, the work on the NSMB started in 2008, and we're finally seeing them come to fruition. Some of the work on the Ready Reserve has started years ago, and we're now seeing the vessel construction manager concept, the vessel acquisition manager concept actually happening. And then PIDP and U.S. Marine Highways, programs that have been around for a little while, but with this additional capacity under BIL, um, we've been able to make a real difference there. And, and we look forward to, uh, to next year's opportunities in those substantial grant programs too. Well, Administrator, we have taken up so much of your time and I just can't thank you enough for coming, coming on and sharing with mm -hmm. us and our listeners all about where you've been, where we want to go. And it sounds like 2024 is going to be an amazing year for not just uh, maritime transportation, but transportation as a whole. And we thank you for your leadership and your advocacy within the department to help bring maritime issues to light. And I'll, look forward, and I'll look forward to meeting you one day in person. Come yes, on. Captain Rowe, thank you. I'll look forward to that too. D Director Andrews, thank you both. Um, thank you for your time and for your advocacy on behalf of the maritime industry broadly but in particular, uh, our maritime industry inland, and for your advocacy for ports and port infrastructure and education. So absolutely essential. And, um, and frankly, your input and your advocacy uh, is how these things get done. So um, how improvements are made, how we get more money in infrastructure development. So we thank you for that. And, um, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with your, your podcast crew today. Thank you. Thank you. Captain, as always, it was a pleasure co-hosting with you. And Good I luck. shall see you in the in the next on the next Doc Talk. See you next year. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs>